Dudes, we need to have a serious chat about your bathroom habits. It's time to quit shitty and scratchy toilet paper and switch to dude wipes. Dude wipes are extra large, flushable wipes made with plant-sourced fibers designed to give your butt a cleaner, more refreshing finish than toilet paper after dropping a deuce. Dude wipes will change your life. Your butt will thank you, and you'll never look at an empty toilet paper roll the same way again. They also have great personal care products like Dude Powder and Dude Shower Body Wipes, which are perfect for other sticky situations. You can find everything at Amazon, or Dude Wipes can also be found at any Walmart or Target nationwide. Go to DudeWipes.com as well and get the Quit Toilet Paper Starter Kit today for only $15.99, and then get also 15% off your first order when you sign up for the newsletter. So, for a happier ass... Choose Dude Wipes today. And now, let's jump into this week's episode of the podcast. He didn't see the thing falling. You don't really know how a gangster gone ball. You don't really know if I run or stand tall. You don't really know till they're coming. No, till they're coming. We go. All right, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. It has definitely been a minute, um, so I want to get out ahead of that and apologize. Um, been on vacation. My voice hasn't been the greatest, been been congested and all that stuff, and so didn't think it was great to be able to record these episodes when I was sounding like shit. Um, honestly, to be quite honest too, basketball-wise, some of these games have been like thoroughly disappointing, um, and so just kind of wanted to wait until... All of the second round games were done and we got to the conference finals. Um, I mean, the four series were were at times very good and then at times they were piss poor and it wasn't worth watching. Like there were some of these like I'm on the East Coast, obviously, if you didn't know Ohio. And so some of these West Coast games are a struggle to stay up for because they start at 10 and they don't finish until 1 or 1.30. And so let's be honest, some of these games I decided at halftime about 11 or 11.30, like I'm falling asleep and I'll watch house of highlights or I'll watch a condensed game on NBA, the NBA app, like just to be quite honest. Um, so that's where we are. Um, and, but I do want to, this is a Monday, happy Monday, everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hope you watched some basketball. Some of the hockey game sevens have been awesome too. Um, but hope you enjoyed hopefully beautiful weather, wherever you were, it was beautiful in Ohio this weekend. So got to have some patio beers and just kind of be by a pool and hang out and watch some basketball, which was great. Um, but we're going to jump right into the Game 7s um, that happened on Sunday. Both of them, um, you know, one at 3.30, one at 8.30 Eastern. Um, and we're going to jump right into that, and then we're going to preview. We're going to recap both of them. We're going to preview the two Eastern Con- – or sorry, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, the two Finals games, Conference Finals games. And then um, <clears throat> we'll kind of talk about, you know, wh- where we go from there, betting-wise, if there- is there's anything that has a bunch of value. Um and we are going to try to make these a priority again. That's on me. Um, again, been very busy. Haven't felt the greatest in terms of my voice. So, um, but we are back. Uh, we're, we'll be great now. We're, we're good to go. Um, and so let's let's jump right in and let's start with um, first off a little bit of a plug. Um, make sure you you follow the podcast, download, rate, review, subscribe. We're on all platforms streaming podcasts. Uh, maybe at some point we'll start to get back to YouTube. Um, it, 
just just right now focusing on getting getting the episodes out, the audio great, all that stuff. So, but make sure you follow the the podcast, like I said, on all platforms. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, download. Make sure you get notified of all the episodes when they drop. Like I said, pro- probably going to try and get back and want to get back to once a week. Hopefully, these conference finals games are better, and we we have some things we can talk about each week, or you know maybe a couple times a week. But um, definitely want to try to get back to recording these weekly. So that's on me. Uh, enough of the apology, enough of the plug. Let's jump into these games. So we're going to start with the one that obviously happened at 3.30, the Game 7 between the Celtics and the Bucks. Um, I'm going to jump out, out ahead of this and make sure I, I make very clear. Um, I had quite an investment um, on the Bucks making the finals. Um, I had quite an investment on the Bucks winning the finals. So this one sucked. Um, just to be point blank, this one was tough. Um, game six was really tough because I thought that was the one that they should have closed out because I texted a bunch of people that asked me how I felt about game seven and I, or sorry about game six and said, is this where they close it out? And I said, they better because I don't want any part of Milwaukee playing in Boston in a game seven. Um, and then to find, and then to see what happened in the game six where Tatum went bonkers and really started to, to really assert himself as that superstar. Like, you know, Nick Wright does this, who I love, does this club superstar thing. And he had just admitted Tatum into the club superstar, which is a 12, 12, um, person capacity max fire fire marshal code says there's only allowed 12 people in and once you add one in someone has to go so he added in Tatum and he kicked out Anthony Davis which I have no problem with um and then Tatum just now is is starting to really you know that the day after he admitted him quote again this is a theoretical club superstar it's not a real thing but but it's a very good tier of those superstars the second he added him into that superstar he literally went bonkers and had that 40 plus burger and single-handedly took down Giannis and the Bucks in game six. Um, contrary to that, <laughs> Devin Booker is on the outside of Club Superstar, and since game since that Club Superstar came out and everybody was vouching for Devin Booker, why is Devin Booker not in? Why is he not in? Why is he not in over Tatum? He's been to the finals, blah, blah, blah. Devin Booker has had two stinkers of playoff games in the two biggest moments of his career in terms of getting to the finals when they legit had a shot to win. And he's played terrible. So, kind of, again, vindication for Nick Wright in terms of who he got right in putting that in that club superstar, whatever. That's just, again, a theoretical thing. It's kind of a fun thing. But back to the the analysis of the game here. So, I'm going to start in the game six because um, I was t- texting with a buddy, and he and I were both talking about these game sixes and game sevens, you know, before a day, the day of the game sixes and the day of the game sevens. And we both said... Man, like there's been some duds in these playoff games, like especially in the the Grizzlies Warriors game, like that game six, which I expected Golden State to win. Um, you know, it, it was pretty close throughout. Memphis basically, side note to that series, Memphis basically led like 78% of the quarters or something like that. That was nuts. Um, like was able to to lead most of those games except for a couple fourth quarters where um, Golden State went bonkers, and those were the difference in those series. Right, like Memphis, there was a reason Memphis was the number two seed. I think it was because overall they showed they were a better team throughout the year, and they were a better team in in majority of these games in these series. But in critical moments, young teams and this young team specifically, even against Minnesota, we saw it. This young team specifically had moments where they just didn't execute well. And veteran teams, teams that are coached well, led well, even though Mike Brown really. It's not his fault, but like showed there's some some warts to his resume in terms of coaching. But even when Mike Brown was actively trying to lose games, I'm joking, but somewhat. 
the Warriors still had moments of greatness, and that's what carried them to the series. But there were a lot of duds in those series, a lot of blowouts. There were a lot of blowouts. Even in games in the Celtics and Bucks series, there were games that were super close through about, like, I don't know. Um, I, for, like, you know, 95% of the game, they were close. In the last, like, five, six, seven minutes, one of the teams, whether it be Boston or Milwaukee, just took over in the final minutes and ended up winning by 10-plus. And so they were great for a moment, and then they became duds or looked like duds or just ended badly. And that was game six. Milwaukee had was down 14 going into the fourth, or maybe 13, had cut it to four, and then completely imploded, and Boston wins by like 18. In game seven, again, both these game sevens, by the way, my buddy and I were texting, and we said, we assume that they're going to be good games. I, for, like I said, full disclosure, I took on the, on the Milwaukee game, I took Milwaukee plus five and a half because you give me Giannis, the best player in the world, and he's a favor or he's an underdog by more than three points. I'm taking that every single time. And I, I don't feel bad about what I did. I'm going to do, that is my formula every single time. Now, Action Network would, would have told me that I was crazy because Action Network has an NBA system that has been at an ROI of like, I don't know, what did I see? An ROI of like 25% and it's hitting at a crazy rate. The system that our Action Network has is when the favorite is getting more percentage of the money than they are of the bets, take the favorite on the spread line, on, the, on, the, um, on that line. And so if we look back yesterday, um, if we go to the numbers, let me see if I can pull it up here. Oh, it might not be available anymore. Um, let me see if I can, oh, trends. Um, no, it wouldn't be trends. Oh, okay, here it is. Again, it hit again yesterday. Boston had 50%, 57% of the money and only 39% of the bets all of the bet percentage was going to Milwaukee, plus five, plus five and a half, wherever you got it. And so, again, the system worked. The system hit. It did not hit in Phoenix, but it hit in this game. Um, I just thought for some reason, I just thought, not for some reason, sorry, that's a dumb anecdote, for very good reason, I just thought that when you have the best player in the world on your squad, even if they don't have the best team, because I think overall, we're, now, without, again, minus Chris Middleton, we will talk about that in a second, but... Without Chris Middleton, I think Boston had the more complete team. From top to bottom, they ha they fought their way for home court to be able to get that home court, and they earned it, and they had it, and they needed it, and it was huge in this series for them, at least in Game 7. There was a bunch of road wins by each team, but I'm saying in a Game 7, it matters to have home court in a winner-take-all game. Um, And, you know, when it came down to it, the team game that Boston played in Game 7 was better than the individual performance that Giannis put on. Again, I want to make this very clear about what happened here. Giannis played 43 minutes, and then when the game was kind of out of hand, he was still trying, but he played 43 minutes, but he had 25 and 20. He had 25, 20, and 9. He almost had a triple-double. He had a double-double. He was pushing triple-double after the first quarter. He was on pace for it. He didn't get the assists number in the end. He had five turnovers, but again, he had the ball so much, trying to make so much happen, he was going to turn the ball over a little bit. Um, He was a minus 20. Yeah, he was on the he was on the floor for some of the worst moments. Grayson Allen only played 21 minutes. Thank God that was still too many minutes. They should have been playing George Hill or Javon Carter, and they just didn't. Bud made zero adjustments. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, no, but like Giannis didn't play bad. He didn't have a 40. He probably needed 40. Obviously 
He needed 15 more points. They lose by 18. 15 more points would have made this a game. But the story of this game was Boston shot 55 three-pointers. Boston and, and Milwaukee went 4 of 33. Boston went 22 of 55. Here was the story. Um, Milwaukee's defense is geared towards forcing you to take threes and tough contested threes because they're basically saying, hey, we have Giannis and Brooke Lopez on the inside or, or Giannis and Bobby Portis, whomever. We have massive interior depth. We have massive interior length. We have a seven foot one guy in Brooke Lopez. We have a seven foot with a seven eight wingspan in Giannis. We're gonna we're gonna basically say you're not getting a single thing in the paint. So like we're gonna we're gonna hopefully funnel everything in the paint. But these these offensive teams then go oh well, we don't want to go in the paint, so we're just gonna settle for threes. And then Milwaukee switches. They contest. They they scramble. They run to these corners and they try to to contest these three pointers and make them tough. Well, credit to Boston. Boston said, yeah, we know all of that, but we know that we can't beat you inside. The only way that we're going to be able to beat you is by hitting threes. And so they shot 55 of them. And if you would have told me at the beginning of the series, if Boston is consistently shooting 45 to 50 plus threes a game, they're going to get worked off of this court because I didn't think they were going to hit 40% of them consistently. Well, game seven. I mean, look at this. They shot 88 shots. 55 of them threes. They shot 42% from the field, but because they shot 40% from three and made 18 more threes than Milwaukee, they blew them out. This game was not difficult to figure out. I mean, honestly, if you're when you were watching in the first quarter, like, Boston shot terribly in the first quarter, and they were only down, I think, two, if I remember correctly. Oh, sorry, they were down six. But with how terrible they were shooting, and only to be down six, and the volume they were getting shots up, there was two ways you could look at this. You Again, if you're, if you're a Boston fan, you're going, oh, we shot terribly, we're only down six? Huge. If you're Milwaukee, you're going, well, if they continue on this trend, we're going to blow them out. Like, we're going to be up six by each quarter, and it's going to be a 20-point win. Well, then the second quarter happened, and Boston went bonkers, and then they continued to stay bonkers, and they never went, and they were unconscious, and they never cooled off. So the adjustment part of this is where I'm going to talk about Bud, the coach Budenholzer. Because just because you win a title doesn't mean that your, your flaws and your warts, they get glossed over temporarily. But that does not mean that they're, going to rear, that they're not going to rear their ugly head again at some point. And I, I'm going to be very honest. I think they got, I think they got, screwed by playing Chicago first because that series was so easy for them. Um, and so they play Chicago. Their offensive rating skyrockets. Their defensive rating looks infinitely better than it is. And because they're playing a very a very sad end of the year, overall not very good, missing one of their key cogs, but whatever, team in Chicago. And it was almost kind of like the Boston Celtics with the, the Nets overvaluing too. However, we started to also figure out that, sure, they might have been overvalued a tad because of the Nets series, but they also were properly rated when you put them up against a good team as well, a really good team. So Bud in games six and seven got completely outclassed. And obviously for the series, because, you know, they ended up losing, I want to say Ime Yudoka outclassed him for most of the games, but... 
some sometimes Bud just gets lucky because he has the best player in the world on his team in Giannis. And Giannis again covers up a multitude of sins for coaching uh, rotations, bad play at times by other players. He covers that up. But in Game Seven specifically, and also just through the entire series, Grayson Allen was awful. He was like a minus fifty plus the entire series, and you just continued to throw him out and have him play twenty plus, thirty plus minutes, and it was insanity because he couldn't guard anybody and he wasn't hitting shit. I mean, in this game alone, again. He was he was minus five, and he was 0 for 6 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3, and only had three rebounds in 21 minutes. Completely atrocious. He was awful. He stinks. He he got the bud got fooled into what he did against Chicago. Again, a not very good team, and thinking that he was actually good, and he's not. Wesley Matthews. 21 minutes, a minus 23. Couldn't couldn't guard anybody. He had three points on one of five shooting. Lopez was probably their second best player today, and he was a minus 20 because they couldn't stop the threes from being a barrage of of buckets. Connaughton played 32 minutes, minus 17, one for six. Bobby Portis played pretty well, but he was a minus nine. He only played 21 minutes. If you're Bud, you have to at some point go, role players at home are going to drill shots continuing to to have your defense set up to let them shoot basically wide-open jumpers, 55 of them from three, and expect these role players not to get into some rhythm and hit them was insanity. At some point, you had to have just accept the fact that you needed to let them come inside. Sell out on everything up on the perimeter. Switch everything. S- uh, sell out, let them come into the middle and take your chances with foul trouble because they were not missing from three. They shot 40% from three. And continuing to play Grayson Allen and Wesley Matthews insane minutes while while Portis and Connaughton and 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 Hill and, and Carter, who are infinitely better defenders and somewhat marginal, like, you know, not much of a drop-off offensively, they continue to just sit on the bench. Now, Connaughton played more. That's great. But, like, Portis only played 21 minutes. Um, Hill only played 11. Sorry, yeah, Portis 21, Hill 11. Carter only plays two. They could have tried anything, and they didn't. So Bud continuing to refuse to make adjustments was another Achilles heel, and it bit him two years ago, and it bit him again this year. Now, let's talk about the Middleton piece because, listen, I I understand that it takes a lot of luck to win NBA titles. It takes skill and luck, but most of which is luck because it means you didn't get injured. That was where Phoenix was last year, and to be quite honest, is where where Phoenix was this year. Crazily, two-year run of not getting injured. Now, Chris Paul did get injured um, last year, and you can say that played a part in him not being as as tip-top shape for the finals, but what's your excuse this year? We'll find out. But Middleton being out was a bummer. And 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 I think people really like to underestimate what Middleton did last year in that finals run because he hit big shot after big shot after tough shot after tough shot in each of those in el- elimination games and closeout games and big games in the finals. There were moments where he was hitting off of screens, contested double-team jumpers, in-your-face jumpers, really good defense, better offense-type jumpers. 
And he was closing those games at the end because again, Giannis sometimes doesn't always have the go get the the go get the jumper when they throw the wall up at the paint that they throw up sometimes. But Middleton was able to take those 18-footers, those those 15 to 20-footers, contested, tough, falling away off-balance jumpers that you sometimes have to get in the postseason because they're not allowing you to get to the rim. And they didn't have that. Drew Holiday, by his standards, again, 21 points on 21 shots, he doesn't want to do that. Drew Holiday wants to take about 14 shots a game, mostly in the paint, couple threes, but really lock you down defensively and be their help side and be there in the passing lanes and really lock up the other team's best player on the wing. He doesn't want to be shooting six threes a game, 21 shots a game, and having to be relied on for basically 25 to 30 points a night. He doesn't want to do that. Middleton loves to do that, and Middleton will lock your defender down too. He's a really good defender. But Drew Holiday was in a role that he didn't want to be in. And he was forced to be in. So, you know, Middleton not being there was tough. I think that series is probably a six or seven game series that is easier for Milwaukee. Maybe it's even less. The Bud thing has to be considered that he just sometimes just gets in weird ruts and just gets out coached. So that has to be considered. And maybe it's still Celtics in seven, even with Chris Middleton because of that stuff. But you can't tell me that he doesn't make a difference in this series. And sometimes it just comes down to injury, injury luck, or sometimes it's injury unfortunate, you know, unfortunate injuries, and and that might have just is what happened in this series. And so, unfortunately, Milwaukee gets blown out in Game Seven. Boston did everything right. Tatum is just growing up into a massive superstar in front of our eyes. He had 23 on only 14 shots. Grant Williams had fucking seven threes. He had 27 points, leading score. Didn't have that on my Game 7 bingo card. Marcus Smart, 11-10, and 10, almost had a triple-double. Jalen Brown, quiet 19 points on 8 of 16. Like, I don't know. I, I'm just, And Peyton Pritchard adds in five threes. Again, didn't have that on my bingo card for 14 points. Like, this was just an this was just an out coach out class by Boston in a game seven. But now we've got them facing Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think that's gonna be wildly entertaining. Right now, gun to my head. If you ask me for a prediction right now, I would probably go Boston in six or seven. I think Boston offensively is more consistent offensively. I think they're the best defensive team in the league still and and in the playoffs, obviously. Um, I think they're going to cause problems for Miami, who just goes droughts of scoring. And I think that Boston having a guy... Listen, Jimmy Butler's been insane, but Jason Tatum's going to guard him, and he's been really starting to take an up up a notch defensively, Jason Tatum has. But Butler's going to guard Tatum. Tatum's bigger. I think Tatum has a better bag of moves he can get to. Um... All that said, you know, I think it's going to be really, I think it's going to be a really good series. Miami obviously has the home court advantage, so if it gets to a, a game seven, Miami doesn't really have a home court advantage. Miami fans are, there are diehard Miami fans, and then there are just casual famous fans that are in Miami and want to go to a game. That doesn't necessarily bode well for a home court advantage. Um, but all that said, I think I think Miami presents issues for Celt- the Celtics in certain ways. I think Miami is so switchable, one through five. Um, I think Kyle Lowry should just not play a whole lot. I think that he is actually hindering this team. I think this is a series, though, that you see Duncan Robinson a decent amount. Um, 
I I know he didn't play a whole lot. He was a DNP most of the, the games in the series with with um Philly. But I think they're going to need threes. I think they're going to need scoring, consistent scoring. And I'm not saying that he's a good defender. We know that. But you can probably hide him on a couple guys, maybe on a Tice, maybe on a Marcus Smart at times. He doesn't have to do a whole lot. I think he's going to have to play if you want to be successful in this series. I think that, you know, I understand Struess and Vincent are great, but I think that you're going to have to go into your bag and you're going to have to get more shooters. Um, and so I think that's kind of, I do think Boston ends up winning the series in maybe six or seven, but I think it's going to be a wildly entertaining just to kind of see the defensive in- intricacies, what, what Miami does with Duncan Robinson and their rotation, what Boston does, whether it's Horford, more Tice, whether it's Robert Williams playing a little more now that, now that he was activated yesterday, but didn't play. Um, so I think that one's wildly entertaining, but now let's move to the game of the night, to the moment of the night, to the absolute shocker of the night, which was Dallas and Phoenix. I'm going to also do the same thing that I did. I'm going to start this one as the same way I started the analysis with the other one. I want to get very much out in front of this and let everybody know that I called this shit. I got text to back it up. I got the receipts. I got bet slips to back it up if you want to. I had Dallas money line, Dallas plus six and a half, and I had the over. I thought this was going to be—I thought it was going to be a very, very good game. I thought it was going to be a close one. I thought Dallas was going to win, but I thought it was going to be close. And even if Dallas didn't win, I had the plus five and a half to back it up. My logic was the same as with the other game. I have the best player in the series, not in the world, but in the series, maybe top three, top five in the, in the world. I have them on my team. I'm getting six and a half, so a point and a half or a point more, depending on where you got it, than the first game, than the Eastern, the Eastern Conference series. And you're giving me six and a half with the best player in the series by far, and it's not even close. I'm taking it. And boy, did I get this one right. Um, Dallas, from the tip, from the jump of this game, sucked the soul out of Phoenix. Chris Paul was awful. Devin Booker was not good. Luka was incredible. Dinwiddie was amazing. And it really didn't matter after that. The second that the you could tell that the life was sucked out of Phoenix. Dallas put the the foot on the throat, didn't let up, and it was over. Just for some context, Reggie Bullock played 32 minutes and only had 5 points, but he was a plus 44. I mean, obviously, the Mavs won by 33. So everybody's plus minus is going to be wildly overreactive here. Um Doncic, 35 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, plus 37. Dorian Finney-Smith only had five points, plus 37. Brunson, 24 points. He was awesome. Um, Dinwiddie, 30 points. He was awesome. Nobody else had an actually overly inspiring game, but those guys were were insane from the tip. You get, what is that, 59? You get 89 points from three guys against Phoenix. You're going to beat them. Phoenix is basically was basically saying, we don't trust anybody else. We're going to let Luka get as many points as he wants. 40 plus, 50 plus, we don't give a fuck. But what we do know is that we're not going to let anybody else beat us. Well, that didn't happen because Brunson and Dinwiddie both went nuts and beat you. And that was your downfall. Luka had 27 in the first half. Phoenix had 27 in the first half. I don't know if I've, I've seen a performance like that in a game seven before. This is the worst game finals margin of victory or yeah, margin of victory, loss, or win, however you want to look at it, since the 60s when it was the Warriors versus the Bombers. 
I said that right. If you didn't know the Bombers were a team, join the club. I didn't either. Read some of the names on that roster. There's a guy whose name was Giff. Don't know what that means, but he's on the roster. This is the worst finals loss in terms of margin of victory since I think the 50s or the 60s when they played the bomb. The Warriors played the Bombers. So this has historical context. It's horrible. So let's talk about a couple things. Luka was amazing. And this game, since game five, when Devin Booker and Chris Paul decided to mock Luka Doncic, Devin Booker flailing his body on the floor and then putting his head down and, and acting like he was dying, then looking up and calling it the Luka special, was horrendous. Since that moment, since Luka after game five said it's they're acting tough when they're up, basically like it's easy to be the bully when you're a front runner, but once you get punched back and you flop, you look like pussies. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. Behind the scenes, I'm sure. And let's call the spade a spade. Dallas was the tougher, the better coached, which is not something I thought I'd be saying about Jason Kidd versus Monty Williams, the coach of the year. Unfortunately, he just won coach of the year and then he gets outclassed. Um, Doncic was better, was the best player, and he was better than probably all the players on the Phoenix Suns combined. Um, Aiton got in foul trouble. He was consistent, but he wasn't overly incredible. He only had five points in this game because, again, he was in foul trouble for most of it. Um, Chris Paul ended up with 10 points on four of eight. Mikel Bridges on three of 11. Let's talk Devin Booker, who everybody wanted to throw in the superstar category. He is, his game is interesting because he doesn't get a lot of, he's not like a playmaker. He literally is just a really, really good shooter. But it's he doesn't create his own shot super well. He needs to get in a rhythm, and when he doesn't get in a rhythm, it's a really tough day for him. Cam Johnson had twelve points. Campaign hit a couple, had a, a three or two, um, you know. But overall, nobody scored more than than twelve points, and the twelve points came from a guy off their bench. Phoenix was awful. If you want to get into X's and O's, the way that Chris Paul was playing, and the way that he was. Playing with the pick and roll, he was really passive. He wouldn't take a shot. And when even when he missed his first shot when he was wide open, you could tell that he was just frustrated. I also want to get something out, out of the way here and, and call me, you know, you can say I'm a conspiracy theorist. You can say that I'm insensitive, whatever you want to do. I saw Chris Paul limp off the floor after after the game seven. And then it was revealed. I think Mark Spears tweeted it that it was revealed that he had a that he had a quad injury. And then they asked him about the quad injury. And he said no comment. Listen, it always seems like it always seems like um, that whenever whenever there's some sort of bad performance from Chris Paul in the playoffs, it always seems like there's a there's an injury that comes after that. And I'm not saying he he isn't injured. He may be, but I'm kind of over the annual or the biannual or, or the playoff annual whenever he gets whenever he has a bad whenever he has a bad day or a bad playoff series um yeah i i just think that i just think that sometimes um i think that sometimes we we give him like this weird benefit of the doubt when it comes to injury um and i think that's tough so, yeah. Um, man, I, 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 I'm like struggling to find the words to talk about the series because I'm, I'm so very much shocked by how it, how it happened. 
I'm not shocked that they won because, like I said, I I picked Dallas to win Game 7. I thought they were going to win Game 7. I just didn't think they were going to win by 33. Um, so I think that's an incredible win for them. Um, let's talk... Let's talk next series because everybody. This is what we always do, and and, and I don't think it's wrong. Um, so Dallas is taking on Golden State in this in this series upcoming, and this is a tough one for me because I do think Dallas. I think Dallas is a tougher matchup for Golden State. I actually think that I'm not saying Golden State would have beat Phoenix, but I think Golden State actually, if you like, ask them and like put them up to a lie detector test or some truth serum. I think they probably would have preferred Phoenix, maybe because of just pride. They wanted to beat the best team, but I think like matchup wise, I think actually Golden State matches up really, really well against um, against Phoenix. But they now have Dallas. Um, here's it. I I think Dallas actually can win this series. I think Dallas can actually get to the finals, and I actually think Dallas can win the whole thing. Now, we'll talk about odds to win the whole thing in a second. Um, you know, from DraftKings, but um, the matchup between whomever Luca is going to be guarded by, so call it, um, let's say it's Draymond a decent amount, let's say it's Wiggins, let's say it's the you know certain teams here. Um, I I'm just interested to see how they do it, how they play it, because um, I I fully believe that Luca is going to probably average another 40 piece or 35 plus piece in this series. I think he's just I think he's a matchup nightmare for whomever guards him. But the Warriors are so good at like switching and pre-switching and even if Luca tries to even if Luca tries to manipulate to get Steph on him or you know a, a, a not as quick clay on him or whomever the Warriors are so good at pre-switching, they're going to be able to, to switch Wiggins onto him or maybe switch Draymond onto him before you get to Steph back, and Steph will just kind of run to whosoever man leaves. So I'm really interested to see what they do defensively with Luka. Do you just say, hey, we're going to let, again, do you just kind of take the approach of, of Phoenix and say, hey, we're going to let Luka get whatever he wants, just nobody else go for whatever? But the problem with that is, is you then have to be so good offensively against a very, very good and probably not talked about enough Dallas defense that Jason Kidd has completely, you know, flipped on its head. But it requires you to be so good offensively if that's how you're going to roll because Luka, even if he gets his 45, he's going to create shots for everybody else. No matter how hard you try to stop him, he's going to get you on his back. He's going to then get in the paint. He's going to probe and probe and probe, and then he's going to find somebody open, whether it's in the corner he's going to throw a lob to, to Dwight Powell or whomever, he's going to find somebody open. Or Jalen Brunson's going to take off the dribble too. So they're very they're very dynamic offensively once Luka gets his way. So it's kind of playing with fire if you want to just like let Luka get his way. Um, but still at the same time, um, you know, I mean, um, I still wonder, I still wonder like, what what they're going to do offensive or um, defensively? Now, offensively, I think the Warriors can be just fine. Um, I don't think I don't think I would be worried if I'm if I'm the um, the Warriors offensively. Um, but 
you know, I I think I think it's gonna be a wildly entertaining series. I think this one also could go six or seven. Um gosh, I it's so hard for me to pick against the Warriors in this series because I think the Warriors um and and so I think I think I'm gonna take Dallas. Um I think I'm gonna take Dallas in seven. But gosh, I have no idea. Um, I think both these series are going to be great. I think what Luca is going to be able to do, maybe the 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 um, deciding factor. I just think he's too damn good. He's so impressive. Um. So yeah, I just I'm so intrigued to see defensively what what um what the what the Warriors do against Dallas. I'm just super excited about it. Um. Other than that, though. Don't have a whole lot. We got the NBA draft lottery, I believe, this week, maybe Thursday. Um, so we'll have maybe some talks about once we get a draft lottery and we find out the draft order. I'll have some mock draft information and kind of talk about where I see players going, where I see teams choosing. Um, I believe that's this Thursday. Um, let me see here. Let me just double check that NBA draft lottery. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Thursday. It's usually before one of the playoff games. Um, yeah. Oh, oh no! That's the NBA draft. Um, the draft lottery is oh shoot! It's it's this Tuesday. Sorry, so it's tomorrow, um, eight p.m. So it's tomorrow before the first round of the Eastern Conference or the first sorry the first games of the Eastern Conference games. Um. Okay, so um, that's gonna wrap it up. I don't really have a whole mu- a whole lot else. Um, just wanted to really did really want to. Um, chat about those, chat about those, those games, talk about the previews of the games coming up. Let's end with some betting odds here, because I think this is where it's interesting. Let's go, let's first go, um, now, um, series, so series winners, we've got Boston is now favored by, favored minus 180 over the Heat to win the, the Eastern Conference Finals series, so they're minus 180, um, you have to bet 180 to win 100, the Heat are plus 150, so if you still think that the number one seed is getting undervalued here, you can bet 100 to win 150, you're getting them at plus money, even though they're the number one seed, and then in the Western Conference, we have the Warriors favored at two minus two thirty. So again, you got to bet two thirty to win a hundred. Um, and Dallas is plus one ninety. That's almost two to one. I might even wait because if the Warriors win Game One at home, this number may jump a little bit. Um, so I would wait. Now, if the Heat win Game One, which very possible because they're at home, if the Heat win Game One, now you're getting less value. So I don't know if you want to wait. If I were you, I would bet the heat, excuse me, the heat now. Um, because again, if they win game one, they're gonna drop those odds a little bit. You you may still get them at plus money because they probably think Boston's still better. They're, obviously they do. They will they will continue to think Boston is still better. But what I'm saying is if you want to get your best value, getting them at plus one fifty now and then just assessing after the first game for both of these series. Now for for the Dallas series, because they are again, I think they're going to win the series, but because who they're playing and and where they're playing game one, and maybe even if they go down 0-2, just wait. Miami, you may not get a better value. Because Miami is the number one seed and at home, and they're already favored, because they're at home, if they win game one, those odds are going to drop. So I wouldn't do that yet. But because Dallas is not the home team, 
And those odds could get worse, quote-unquote, if they lose game one. But I still think they're going to win the series. You can then take them maybe at 2-1, to 2.5-1, to one, depending on where they put it. So I would wait. I would wait for the Dallas series. I would bet the Heat now if you think they're going to win. If you think the Celtics are going to win, um, just, just wait. There's no value in betting them right now because they're the favorite. If you can get them at plus money at some point, definitely bet that. But um, the Warriors are clearly the the favorite in this series so if you're if you're a if you're on the Mavericks like I am I'm waiting I'm definitely waiting I'm going to take this number hopefully at 2 or 2 and a half to 1 if they lose game 1 game 1 lines though we've got the heat favored by 1 and a half um which is interesting that the Celtics are favored in the series but they're not favored in game 1 um they play Tuesday night so tomorrow night just a, just a heads up um from Tuesday on, we will have a basketball game every other night, so we won't have to wait. Hockey-wise, too, if you're a hockey guy, hockey starts tomorrow night, and then we'll have a hockey game every single night, maybe multiple as well, because they're only in round two, whereas we're in round three for the NBA. So sports are going to be awesome. And then we got the Preakness this weekend, I believe. So buckle up for that, too. Um, but yeah, Celtics plus one and a half. Heat minus one and a half. I'm going to stay away like hell from that game. That's a tough number. Dallas plus five. Golden State minus five in game one. Man, both those are right where I would put them, to be honest. So maybe those are just both games where you just kind of watch and admire. Um, But you're giving me Mavericks plus five. and Oh, man, Mavericks plus five. And they don't play again until Wednesday, so they get two days off. Whew, that's tough. We'll see. I'll assess. If I had if if I had to place a bet, I would go Celtics plus one and a half, and I would go Mavericks plus five in game one. Um, let me see if these are already getting some money though. We can maybe look at the system play and see if there's already getting some money on these games. No, as of right now, the system doesn't apply. Miami's getting way more percentage of the bets than they are money. Let's see tomorrow, or sorry, let's see Wednesday. System does apply for Golden State. They're getting 70, 72% of the money right now, which means you should play the minus five. We'll see. Um, maybe I'll take minus five game one because Dallas is coming off this crazy game seven. Now, however, they, they kind of got a rest because they didn't have to play a whole lot. Um, but system play is a system play. It's still hitting at a 19% ROI at a 61 winning percentage. Um, if, you're a, if you bet $100 on the spread... There's a sample. We've done a sample size now of 311 bets. If you bet $100 each time on this system, you would be up almost six grand. Just saying. So we'll see. Maybe I'll just say screw it and go with the system play. Don't know yet. But gun to my head right now, I'm going Dallas plus five and then Boston plus one and a half. That's where I'm at. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of In the Paint. Like I said, apologize for not being back. Make sure you like, subscribe, download, rate, whatever you got to do for the podcast. Follow it so you get all the notifications you need when episodes drop. We're going to try to get back to once a week um, or as you know, at least once a week. If not, if other cool things happen, we'll be talking about them as well as much as possible. So follow along. Thanks for riding. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. All right, fam. Peace.